Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 487. I've got a great panel. I managed to wrestle up some stories from somewhere. I've got a feeling it's going to be a good show, actually. I'm going to let the panel quickly introduce themselves. We've also got a special guest, and it should be a great show. I'm going to let uh, Michelle introduce herself first. Michelle, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? I sure will. Hi, I'm Michelle Butcher-Jones. I am from Carbondale, Illinois. I am a support specialist at Thrive Agency, and I also run a WordPress shop called 13 Core and a little blog called Can't Speak Geek. That's great. And I've got Spencer as well. Spencer, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? I'm Spence from Launch Flows. Uh, When I'm not beating my children here at my house, I'm busy talking online about WordPress. Right, and I've got my friend Kim. Kim, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Kim Schivler, a business and technology coach and instructor focused a lot on instructional design and online courses. Right, and I've got my friend John Locke. John, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Sure thing. John Locke, doing SEO for manufacturing and industrial companies. And we've got our special guest. We've got Stephen Saunder with us. Uh, Stephen, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Stephen Satter. Uh, I work with zipfish.io. Uh, we're a web hosting company that really specializes in making WordPress blazing fast. And I've got my friend Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Good morning. I'm Sally. I'm having a bad hair day. <clears throat> and uh, I'm the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakley, uh, Oakland, California. And uh, we're meeting online for the first time on Sunday. I bet you are. At least you got some hair. That's, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> all, that's all that matters, really. Well, before we go into our um, stories of this week, I want to plug one of our great sponsors, and that's LaunchFlows. And LaunchFlows, customize your WordCommerce checkout experience with Elevator. It liberates the function and design layout of your individual checkout components into a powerful selling tool so you can turn so you can turn your vision into a reality with no coding required. And they're giving us a coupon code WP Tonic Rocks that will give you 25% discount off the normal price. So go to launchflows.com have a look at all the training lessons, and I suggest you go and buy it. It's a great product. I've been using it, and with Spencer's personal support. Um, on to the first story. The road ahead. What What is in store for WordPress the rest of 2020? Um, let's, let's Spencer. What did, what did you re- reckon of this one, Spencer? Well, I like the fact that Justin Tadlock has returned in this article to more Justin Tadlock. Uh, what a classic. <laughs> I'm looking for the word. Classic Justin Tadlock instead of advertorial or what are you talking about? Um, I, as far as the content, what's interesting to me is that uh, I would say in the last week or two, a lot of the things that we're doing with clients have really revealed where the the 
block editor, this is a Sally topic. I'm sure I'm going to push her hot buttons, but like where the block editor is now a little bit closer to being between worlds, but on a personal level, I still find myself reaching for the hammer and breaking the glass of please immediately install the classic editor plugin because I just can't get over the fact that they're making all the other progress and somebody just doesn't get off the toilet and fix the layout of the block editor so it's not that 70 pixels of padding and that on the right-hand side, why, why, why is everything all just in one you know, continuous stream, which to my mind's eye is impossible to know what I'm looking at unless I use intense concentration. If they would just separate each of those things with like a little border or something, like kind of classic-esque, and if they would allow me to drag the things that I think are important to the real top instead of the middle top, thank you. I would be happy to use the block editor. But as it is, I find myself like when you get a new TV in the old days and it had 200 buttons and you just want to turn on your favorite TV show. I find myself struggling with that. So that's my thought. Yeah. What do you reckon, Stephen? Uh, specifically about the block editor, I think it's really interesting just watching it as it grows and evolves. I mean, like we started at a place where it was like hardly functional, it felt like. And now as we're getting farther down, we keep seeing these features that get added that are interesting. But we're still in this weird world where I think it's still a little bit too removed from what it's going to look like on the front and on the back. And then there's some weird format things that Spencer was referring to. Um, that it's still like it still has a ways to go, and I'm always excited to see like kind of what the next thing they're working on is. But um, it always feels like it's a little bit flat. It falls a little bit flat, but uh, I think over the next you know several years, it's going to get really interesting. But, you say several years? Yeah, you know, that's that's my that's my that, for what I've seen the like the pace that it's moved. I'll be, I'll be gone from this. I'll be dead and buried. I'll be. I look. I have to run this bloody show. <laughs> Um, shows get their life on their own. I'm addicted to this thing. The thing in the article that I found the most interesting was the automatic updates for WordPress. I think that's going to put uh, plugin developers in a very interesting position because um, it, it's for a long time, it's been a little bit more of the Wild West where you could launch something that had breaking changes and just let people know. And then if they updated it, they should check their site. But all of a sudden, when everything potentially could be auto-updated, um, how you build and develop plugins is going to have to change from the inception of when you start creating that plugin, right? You're going to have to think about, here's where I am now. Here's where I want to go over the next couple of years. And how am I going to make seamless transitions from V1 to V2 to V3? I think we're going to see a lot of like maturing going on inside of the plugin development world where plugins that cannot support the auto update features are just going to get abandoned and people aren't going to be able to really use them anymore because you can't have your site break when something automatically updates and you're not there to check things. That's what I'm the most excited about. And I think it'll be the most interesting shakeup as far as what's going on in the landscape right now. Yeah. You need a good support company. I do know one. I'm Sally. See, I thought the comment section was up to its normal, back to its normal poisonous quality as well. 
there, there certainly yeah, were a few complaints there. Um, first comment about this article was, you know, what's ahead for WordPress in 2020? And I'm totally not thinking about the tech side of it when I when I read that, because, of course, everybody is kind of like, what the heck is ahead for us with regard to... Well, I'll be here. <laughs> well, right. With everything, you know, that, that... And this was just kind of like, a, yeah, business as usual. Um, nothing to see here. Move along. Uh, you know, it didn't. It didn't reflect uh, any suggestions of how things might uh, be affected. Um, I know those auto updates have been one of the most contentious uh, uh, proposals. I'm glad to see from the mock-up that you're going to be able to decide which plugins you want opted into that because. Um, you know, uh, likely if you're using something that tends to break on updates, uh, it, you'll know what it is if you've been using it for a while and, and opt out uh, for that. Uh, but uh, 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 so, uh, uh, I, I mean, I do think that uh, Spencer might have written the uh, comment that says, I'm not able to reach the benefits of this argument about how we should promote ease of use by exposing less features to users in the editor. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the how the heck to figure out, you know, meta boxes on, uh, uh, in Gutenberg is yeah, but, definitely but, but, an you... incompletely solved problem. Uh, my, my, yeah. point was, my point was, if you're transitioning, Let's say you use PayPal, that disaster, right? They're, they've been transitioning from their 1990s UI to whatever this thing is they're talking about. And every day, it's like a roulette wheel of what will change in the menu. Am I on the 2020, the 1997, the 2004? If they would just take the, the block editor and just put a little CSS on it right now, just to separate each of the little things, let me move the pieces up. If... If the behavior and look was just a little closer to classic, I can live with everything else that they're doing and experimenting with. It's the fact that they force this just strange interface. I feel like I'm in the car trying to turn on the radio or the air conditioning, and I have no idea where the controls are anymore. And it just forces me not to even want to bother with it. That's all. Uh, well, I mean, you know, products do do this to us in terms of changing interfaces. Um, I especially like the new fake, the new Facebook, which you can't even like get to show in Firefox because there's obviously something sufficiently evil about it. Um, but yes, it's like, you know, a, an interface that's different, everybody will complain about getting used to it. But if it turns out to be actually harder to use, uh, that's a problem. I mean, you know, does anybody want to talk about how the F hard it is to buy groceries online? You know, it takes me about three times as long to order my groceries online as it does to buy them in the store. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, sure, I'm sure Spencer can give you lessons. Yeah, but the, 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 <laughs> right. the, 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 yeah, but the parallel there is like, I'm saying if you went to the old grocery store that you've always been going to <laughs> manually and they move the doors around and they move the produce to the other side, that's... Wait the, a minute. Do you not shop at Trader Joe's? They rearrange the entire store, like every randomly. It seems like every. every <laughs> the idea is, I'm saying we're not talking here about like you're doing the same thing you've been doing. Yeah, listen, listen, you never thought we would start talking about Trader Joe's, did you? <laughs> right. All right, there we, there we go. Just is merge merge the metaphor of the existing thing a little bit into the new thing, so that the transition to using the features of the block editor could be more accessible. 
And again, the padding thing is a mystery to me because nobody has offered any reasonable explanation as to why do I need a football field of space around everything and the title to be 94 point or whatever the hell that thing is. Uh, yeah, the, the, it definitely, uh, the, you know, it, it needs work. There are people yeah. who are on different uh, different teams that complain to yes, one another yes. about, uh, guys, uh, you, y'all on the editing team, um, we need to talk. Well, uh, let's, let's put this over to Michelle. So, Michelle... I, I, I just think this is tediously slow. As Spencer pointed out a few weeks ago, against the mega speed of Alamator and Breezley, I think Alamator and Breezley are two that are really pushing the envelope when it comes. And I, I look at the kind of slow wonder of, of uh, Gutenberg wandering like the Mississippi River onto a journey that none of us knows where it goes. I just wondered why why, why bother, really. What was your thoughts, Michelle? I've actually been using Gutenberg on Can't Speak Geek for a, a little over a year now. Well, about um, WordCamp US 2018 was when I got into it. And um, it's definitely progressing. My biggest issue coming from someone who's always used gravity forms is I always like click on the option I want next and it goes into the next form. And I've always had issues with kind of thinking it should be across the board like that. But even when you work in um, some of the other page builders, I have that same argument. And I really feel that it should have been more ready to go out than what it is. And I still am not 100% feeling it's ready now. And on top of that, if you want to throw in things that aren't completely ready and um, updates coming um, automatically, I am one of those who likes to test everything out, make sure everything's good before doing the okay that's going to wreak havoc on the people who like to put everything on a staging server, test it out, and then do live, which is what we've been taught to do all the time. And there are plugins that really don't do anything with the layout and look of sites that have broken sites in the past. Um, I think security and um, Yoast are two big ones that really don't do anything actually physically on the site to change layouts, but have had massive site breakage when they've um, updated their plugins. And if those that don't do layouts can, and you want to automatically have plugins update in the background that could, like say Beaver Builder or Elementor or Divi plugins, ones like that, and then you wake up in the morning and your site that's supposed to look like this is like this. I don't know how people can recommend Divi, Michelle. It just, it turns your site into a slow treacle, for God's sake. God people still use it. I don't, but people do. What a right. Do you would use Divi for It my... continues to have rabid fans. I'm I know told. it does. They're going to send me emails now, but God, God bless them. Come on, Kim. You know, this Gutenberg thing, you know, it's like a slow river to nowhere. It's like one of my 
client projects. It never gets finished. You know, you, you obviously know nothing about the history of the U.S. economy if you're dissing the Mississippi River. <laughs> True. Yes, it's, like, it's like some of my projects that never get finished. I have to call you in to help me out, isn't it? Yeah, you know? we do know about those, yeah. Jonathan. <laughs> I don't know why, though, but when jo- every time Jonathan says that, the song um, River of Dreams by Billy Joel keeps popping in my head. Oh. <laughs> Surely this Gutenberg, shouldn't it be finished by now? It's gone on forever, isn't it? It seems like it. I'm kind of with Spencer. I keep trying it and then getting frustrated and putting in the classic editor. And uh, full disclosure, I do still have a Divi site. Um, Because I still support it, folks. I I have Divi, I have Beaver Builder, I have Elementor. God bless you. That's all I've got to say. God bless you. uh, you know, so I have to. I have to have full disclosure there. I, I was with Sally on the on the way this was written, in the sense of it, it looked like a what's coming up for WordPress this year that was written three years ago when no one went, we didn't have a world situation we have now. You know, it's like I was looking for something more of the like what are we looking at to cope the way most of us as business people are looking at how this is changing our business, sometimes for the worse and sometimes for the better. I mean, I think some of us in development have been getting, well, more work. In fact, you guys know I don't take development anymore. I just do training, but I've actually had to pick up a few dev projects just to help a few friends and former clients out. So, Okay. Come on, John. You're in the shadows, so... Yeah, be direct. This bloody Gutenberg thing. What a pain! Oh, in the, what a pain in the ass, isn't it? Well, um, obviously, let's. I mean, call what the the Gutenberg project is. It's an attempt to become Squarespace because the thirty three percent of the web that WordPress has, most of it is self hosted. the The dot com version is not that much. That's why they're trying to create uh, a Squarespace like product. Um, even the terminology is the same. The blocks, yeah. they got that. Yeah, but lots of, lots of things. I don't, I, don't blood. I, don't, I, don't, I don't blame them for that. Yeah. I, I just I blame them for the, for the never end. It just never seems. Nah. You know, why, why it would have been, get... it would, I mean, okay, so my thoughts on this, it would have been almost faster to like fork it off or start just from scratch with making its own thing. Um, they would have gotten there quicker instead of trying to divert uh, this existing project because you've seen like all these other things come to market like Duda and uh, Webflow, all these different products that are, you know, similar like that, no code, drag and drop um, types of things. But, uh, you know, they're, they're catering to that type of audience, the people who would normally go to Wix or Weebly or if they're on WordPress, they'd use something like Divi or Visual Composer in the past. Or Elementor. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hey, I bet you, I bet you, um, the Elementor, what will, will happen first? Will Elementor uh, have their own self-hosted SaaS where they provide a drag-and-drop interface uh, that maybe it forks WordPress? Or will WordPress launch Gutenberg as its own product on WordPress.com? to compete with uh, these other uh, platforms. Uh, One of those is going to happen first, and we'll we'll see. Well, what's what's these bloody thousand people in in automatic doing? This is what I want to know. It's a big project, and it's hard to move something that large. You can't turn a big aircraft carrier really fast. You can't turn it on a dime. So that's the problem. 
Oh, it oh. really hits the, the nail on the head, right? Like, that's why we're in this weird place where, like, it feels like we're in between a, like, a product that has an idea and we're going somewhere. Where is that? Well, it's probably going to take a while to get there because it is changing, like, this huge aircraft carrier. Right. right? And it's, it's not simply, you know, uh, who has what uh, funding money or, or number of staff. I mean, you know, if you, if you look at things like um, Microsoft, uh, you know, they're, they're not short of money or, or developers, but there are, there are things in Outlook that have not changed since 2007. Uh, uh, so, who uses Outlook for God's sake? I, I don't anymore. Uh, it, it doesn't talk to my calendars, but uh, nevertheless, uh, there are still lots of people using Outlook, and there are cool. lots of people using Microsoft Teams now, especially with the uh, Zoom bombing episodes. Yeah, poor backers, that's all I've got to say. I know. Uh, Teams is okay. Is it? Oh, God. Oh, my God. On to the next story. Uh, marketing right now is. Hard. I won't use the other word. Uh, um, shall I start? With? Let's start with John. Because uh, what did you think of this one, John? I thought it was up to his Fishkin's normal quality. Right, right. So, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people. I mean, obviously, the people who are doing web design or marketing or SEO for any type of hospitality um, or travel, hotels, cruises, uh, restaurants, bars, anything like that, they're in a pickle. They're yeah. in a bind. Any type of agency like that that was, um, you know, getting revenue from that. And I know people in WordPress that the same thing, they're, they're taking a hit. Um, but, you know, knock on wood, all my clients are, you know, essential businesses. So, uh <laughs> You know, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. But you know what? Like the biggest, the biggest thing is like I continue to do the things. Like I, I push on social media every day. Yeah. Um, I haven't done a blog post this year, but I've been doing YouTube every single day. You do? I, I do every single day still, you know, and um, I, I'm committed to that because I've gotten clients from it before. And I don't, um, do, I don't know how you do it, but you do it. Yeah. Well, um, but marketing is difficult. But the thing to remember is, is though we don't know how long the COVID-19 situation will last, we do know at some point um, it will uh, continue going. And, and for my clients too, they know that as well. Even if it's slowed down, they stopped marketing entirely, their business would completely uh, be annihilated. So wow. it's very, very important to, you know, keep at it no matter what, even if you think that it's, you know, not doing anything in the immediate because the business that you'll get six months from now is from the marketing you're doing today. Yeah. What do you reckon, Stephen? What did you reckon of this particular article? I thought it was interesting. Um, I think in, when, if you're in the digital space and you have any sort of digital presence, which, I mean, if you're a business now, you better. Um, th- right now, you're in like the perfect time to lean into that. And to start thinking about what sort of strategies can you employ that's going to pay off later on down the road. Um, let's say you're a restaurant. Your, your orders are down. You have a lot of like employees sitting around doing nothing. It's like the perfect time to say like, hey, how do I engage with my customers in a digital sort of way? Like, can I get permission to text people and say, hey, your order's out for delivery and text them two hours later and say, hey, did you like the food? Like, and then maybe next Friday, say, hey, we're running a special on this. And like, come up with these new communication channels that you've never been able to use before that people maybe would have been resistant to. Because we're, we're in this like crazy, unique situation, you can now have permission to talk to your customers in new sort of ways. And I think that 
you can use this time to strategize around that and come up with some really cool ideas and solutions that probably would not have worked in a different sort of climate. So like lean into marketing right now, I think is probably the most important thing. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. What do you reckon, Michelle? What do you reckon this article? I, it makes some good points. And, but as um, recently mentioned, it is time to really start pulling out the bucks and saying, you know, let's try the new things. I work with a lot of local restaurants. Um, with God, bl- God, bless, God bless you. Uh, That's the kind of work I used to do a lot three, four years ago. That's why I haven't got much hair left. So <laughs> then I went, into yeah. the of, I went into the world of e-learning and, it, you know, they actually, they actually need to market themselves or they think they... <laughs> Sorry, I was, th- one, I was being a bit negative there, wasn't I, Michelle, wasn't I? It's kind of twofold of what our local restaurant <laughs> community is doing. Um, there is a Facebook group that has a ton of local restaurants, owners and managers and marketers and um, people who just want to see local businesses do well. And they're really chatting and working together and actually helping each other out. Like, say, if some of the restaurants have closed down right now during the COVID stay-at-home, they're actually jumping in and making meals for um, other places who helped uh, pass food out to the needy or getting together each week on Saturdays and making meals that people can come in and make donations for and take home with them. And then on the other side... um, good friend of mine and his wife, William and Keisha Lowe, started a group called uh, Southern Illinois Eats, and it's also branched out to St. Louis and Southeast Missouri as well. But that is where people themselves can come in and say, I got food from here, and post pictures of it towards kind of its own local marketing. And then also businesses can say, hey, we're still open for curbside pickup and everyone is more working together on the marketing, which I really am enjoying seeing during this COVID because it's helping people out at a free level than actually putting forth more money into it. But it's all of those different type of more creative marketing that's helping businesses out instead of your traditional air radio, TV print um, on, direct online well which are all declining to some extent aren't they you know it's like in some ways what do you reckon spencer am i you know the dismal me or is the the bright brightish michelle the one to go with uh well i mean my take on it is that any kind of a scenario that shakes up the snow globe restructures the order of who is first who is last and so as a result you've got opportunities if you're open and willing to the idea of being agile, but at the heart of anything is really that this exposes that we're really always in the business of relationships, right? So solving, I mean, the fundamentals as I've been talking about since forever, because they've existed since I was a 10 year old doing entrepreneurial stuff, find people with pain, learn about their pain from them. So they have a feeling you care, solve their pain, rinse and repeat. Okay. Where marketers have come unhinged in some sense is when they work for a big corporate interest and 
whether it's a pandemic or it's a normal situation. For example, with every one of us sitting at home all the time, I enjoy with my kids sometimes we'll turn on like Roku or something and watch some of the uh, old Friends episodes or some TV show or even just like an ABC show, Shark Tank. Some complete moron decided that since they have us captive, that when you watch the last episode of Shark Tank or something, that it's okay to have eight ads roll every five minutes. So literally, to watch a 22-minute episode... I, I, I don't watch American television. I'm just saying, like, if you watched it live the day before, there might be three ads between every 10-minute break. But somebody decided they've got us captive. Let's jam 40 ads into a... Tw- and I'm like, that's the thing you don't do in the case of a relationship business. If you, if you don't have that kind of like got you by the short hairs kind of thing, you have to deal with the fact that, all right, what is the pain that the people have? As far as opportunities go, I mean, listen, the sad or the good thing is that there will be situations where people who have previously successful marketing campaigns and previously successful businesses, it will be over. I mean, I was a participant in the real estate stuff. I was a landlord and a real estate developer for 29 years. But I'll forgive you. I'll I'll forgive you. Yeah, the I know. Thanks. The bright side. I wasn't the bank. I was the recipient of the love, not the uh, you know benefit of the love. The bright side is that the shakeup plus the democratizing of the tools means. We're, that's why I, when I was talking to Stephen, I said, "Come on up." Like we are in a scenario now with WordPress, where WordPress is a de facto platform that if you have access to anybody, the conversation can immediately turn to how you can help them with their business. Whether it's the local restaurant that can't like have people come to the place, but hey, maybe now you can launch a a portal for more people to order food. Or maybe it's for helping somebody do a service from home that previously was hard to do, like an accountant or CPA or something. That's where I think that we can, as WordPress people, apply a little entrepreneurial oomph. And then the marketing is easy because now it's just about Help everybody, but become an expert by listening. I just, to- I just, I just feel, I just feel some. Oh, somebody's after me! I didn't switch my phone off. Oh my god! Just sit on your. Oh Jesus Christ! Sit on your mind. Who is it? Who is it? Is it? Uh, it's a, it's a bad customer that wants me. Yeah, hey John. Listen, <laughs> never, he never, he never paid his bill anyway. Uh, um, so John. there we go. Uh, um, I'm on a what? show with John. Yeah, yeah, was, John. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I just think sometimes, for for understandable reasons, we're in a total bubble on this show. Because when I look back, when I, I still, of- I still go to some like I'm based in Carson City, and I go to Reno. It's Northern Nevada. It's free. It's it's three hours drive to Sacramento, and it's about four hours drive to San Francisco. And you might. You might as well be 10 years, you might as well be in 10 years ago. Uh, um, literally, if you're talking to middle to senior managers in this area, you either, they, 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 have, they would have no comprehension of half the stuff we're talking about. Honestly, I don't, I'm not being disparaging. They just, they just wouldn't understand, Spencer. The problem with life in general is as you get older, I'm not being like, like I regret it. When you get older, things that used to be unknown, 
uncared about or unclear become crystal clear. One of them, which is a Derek Sivers thing I've referred to, is the value of time and hell yes versus hell no. Because as you get older, it becomes crystal clear that there are more than 60% of Americans in particular who are the dumbest human beings on the planet. And that could be from the professional or personal or whatever. But it's okay because as humans, you're entitled to be dumb. But it doesn't mean you have to tolerate them wasting your time by participating in their dumbness. You can literally just turn them off, tune them out, and focus on the beautiful things around you and people and nature. That's where I look at this marketing thing. It's that, look, because 80% of the world is in turmoil doesn't mean that you as a smart person can't be the smarter 20% and focus on how can I help people and in the process have the best marketing in the world because helping people right now with something you can be an expert at, especially with online, is going to make you at the top of the list of the most valuable people to talk to, even if you don't have $100,000 of Facebook ads behind you because two people you help will tell four people, will tell eight people. And if you have 10 to 100 people, depending on your, you know, whatever you do, you will never go hungry. Ta-da. All right. We're going to go for our, we're going to go for our break and we can come back and we've got some more stories. We'll be back in a few moments, beloved listeners and viewers. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WP Tonic as your trusted white label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WP Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white-label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. Coming back. We ended up that with a quite hopeful um, note. I just... Jonathan, you didn't call on me on that one, but I just wanted to say one thing because I like, I've enjoyed seeing some of the creativity in the restaurants. And like, for example, our, one of my favorite restaurants in town, exactly what you're talking about, Spencer. Some of my, I eat out a lot and some of my favorites just fell off. Ours immediately, this group went immediately to their email, to everybody. And they're selling not just takeout and advertising takeout, they're selling groceries. So- like they had toilet paper when nobody had toilet paper, you know, and things like that. And so it's, it's really worked out well for them. Thanks for that. On to the next story. And if there's two areas, if I mention that gets, gets my listeners and viewers going, discussions in WordPress or on this show, if you want to discuss hosting companies and page builders if you want to talk about those two subjects, off you go. So uh, um, I found this little thing, I don't know, and of course Stephen is salivating at commenting on this one, I would imagine. Ten, ten of the largest web hosting companies based on data from four independent sources. So Stephen, you know, um, it was a, it's a dismal list, isn't it, Stephen, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I would say some of my favorite hosting companies aren't on that list for sure. Um, Kinsters, definitely Kinsters should be on there, should it? What what I find super interesting, and I was talking to Spencer about this earlier, um, hosting is... Talk about a rogues list of... um, 
non-supporting hosting company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look, fuck look, about their clients. You know, they're right. I think if you look at the price list that they had on that article, right, it's like somewhere between four ninety nine and two ninety nine a month for a website, which, like, honestly, is is what you should be paying if you're just paying for space. Like, if you just need a couple gigabytes to stick some files and somebody, a couple of people are going to load it. Like, you don't need that much space. Um, and hosting has just become a completely commoditized market. And so what's interesting is that there's a lot of companies, right, that are adding like service levels above that, such as like Flywheel or Kinsta. Um, and that's where a lot of their price comes in, right, is like their, their support that they're adding to that. And then also just being willing to have a large enough server to be able to you know, run somebody's WooCommerce store that's not going to completely crap out if they get any sort of attention at all. Um, but I, the part that I feel like is still missing in the hosting world and where a lot of people that are using WordPress and start getting into WordPress get tripped up on is, right, they find this 299 host. They're like, yeah, why not? Like, I don't know the difference between a good hosting platform or a bad hosting platform. And then it leaves... Soon, they're soon going to find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, well, then it leaves, like, the people that create plugins or um, people that are trying to help support these people um, left to try to clean up the mess and sometimes it can get pretty messy in there um, to get people to migrate off of the hosting platform um, and into something else that's working for them. That's the size they need. Um, explain like the price points and stuff. Um, the, the most I, I got to be. I looked at that list, Stephen, and I was thinking of the hours I've been on support calls with certain yeah. certain ones. The hours of my life that have been wasted with these fuckers, really. Uh, um, but there we go. You can just kind of have those hours back, can you, Stephen? Yeah, <laughs> I think I think <laughs> the interesting the interesting thing is that like uh, WordPress being such a, like this building block sort of atmosphere right now, where you can get plugins that do all these things that can like really have an end to end solution. Is that the hosting companies, most of them, have not been able to catch up to that and being able to support that because it takes a developer and somebody that knows what the servers are doing on the back end to really resolve a lot of these problems. And I've seen so many customers um, just in my previous careers, like doing consulting and stuff like that, being stuck in this place where it's like the plugin guy is blaming the hosting company. The hosting company is blaming the plugin guy. And you're just in this mess trying to sort through it. Um, which is really what led us to try to start Zipfish. And we're focusing on WordPress speed right now. Um, but the, what you need is you need solid developers and solid server guys that can talk to each other and know exactly what's going on on both sides of the equation um, to really be able to solve some of these problems that customers are left kind of in a lurch trying to figure out. There we go. Uh, Michelle, Michelle, you you were biting at the... At the uh to have a saying. Champion of the bit is the expression. Yes. Anytime anyone talks about WordPress hosting, my brain goes half yay and half oh. It's, it's just crack for the WordPress community, <laughs> isn't it? It's just crack. It literally well, is just crack, isn't it? I also am one of the admins for the WordPress hosting Facebook group. And the oh, one good, thing that whatever persuaded you to agree to do that, Michelle, you seem a very intelligent. I, I think that might be one like, of those for her sins things. You know, whatever <laughs> persuaded you to do that, Michelle? I got tricked. Yes, and I blame Ansel Taft on that one. Right, yeah. <laughs> but 
The one thing that drives me the most nuts is no hosting is created equal for any sites. And you get all the time of people going, who's the best host? And you're going, for what? Yeah, um, because like some sites can be on shared hosting and they're not that busy and they're small and it's fine. And there are some sites that if you was to put on some shared hosting, it would crash in 37 seconds. Um, and these uh, lists, That would be before it managed to load. Right. And these lists, everyone for some reason loves lists. And I don't they, know they, they just love the list, don't they? I, I think they love the affiliate links. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just so much of the, you know, oh, these are your top 10, but they never go into like why. Like I would give, you know, a top three for shared, a top three for enterprise, a top three for if you're wanting to learn and just these, and very few would be cross-platformed on it. Like I would never put, you know, GoDaddy's um, minimal shared uh, on an enterprise. And like Pantheon, which I absolutely love, would be overkill for just a small knitting blog that doesn't get much traffic or yeah, much image. They're, they're, they're the perfect people to put your knitting blog on. They're <laughs> 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 you know. I don't know. They're probably knitting blogs with millions of followers, and knitting is pretty popular. Now, those, yes. But I'm meaning more, I I use a term loosely with the knitting blogs, just more of like the smaller, not much traffic, uh, not much images, more just text for content. Oh, somebody wants to get on me. Yeah, I see. I want to put this to Spencer, actually. Um, When it comes to, you know, what hosting providers say, it, I'll apply this to a lot of the internet. I, I, there's a lot of people saying a lot of things, promising a lot of things. They're not exactly lying, but they're not exactly telling the truth either. Being an ex-lawyer, you probably know where I'm coming from. Because um, any good lawyer will say, you mustn't lie, but it doesn't mean you're going to have to tell them the truth either. Uh, um there's so much of the internet, it's like, it's smoke and mirrors. It's kind of promising stuff that they know they can't provide. But they're not exactly Isn't lying. that a lot of marketing everywhere? Well, it's kind of, but I think it's even worse on the internet, isn't it, really? But I just, maybe well, it's You know, the primary thing... <clears throat> and I think hosting companies are some of the worst, don't they? Well, listen... Sally is, is, I agree with her point. When I teach marketing, I say selling is like dating. Business is like dating. Okay. If you want to succeed and you're a single person or looking for a spouse or something like that, you go onto an online site like a Bumble or a Tinder or a Match, right? You don't just like lay everything out on the table. You have to finally craft the message and become the person that the other person is looking for. And in the same way, hosting companies are dealing with the commodity. Stephen and I discuss this. I've said this a million times on the show. Remember when text messaging was 25 cents per message because they could? Nobody could sell you on that anymore. At the time, it was, look, you can instantly communicate with your friend and it'll only cost you a quarter. That sounded pretty good. In today's world, that would be laughable. Well, at the same time, the hosting companies are all going into a, let's buy every company we can, let's put every feature we can because the, the realization they already have is, 
shared hosting is already a lie. And I've beaten up WP Engine about that nonsense again and again. But even for the cloud hosting, like, I won't name the names because I know you freak out when I do. But like when you talk about cloud hosting, it's a commodity item. So the thing that they need to sell is nothing to do with the hosting. The hosting has become literally the de facto standard. So what they do is they try to find a metric that sounds super sexy and awesome. Like, hey, you know, I know how to bake bread at home. Would you like to date me? You know, I raised three children by my own. I'm not talking about my six-pack abs and all the other stuff. I'm talking about, hey, things about me that might make me attractive to somebody I'm interested in. And the hosting companies do the same. Now, somebody said it. I think it was Michelle. I just heard it. I didn't hear see the voice, uh, the lips moving. But somebody said, why are these lists coming up? It's because they offer 85 to $125 immediate bounty if you send them a new victim because they've realized it's super, it's super sticky. The person who of this, listen, I'm going to be a mean guy this, this week. Of the 60% of the Americans in particular who are dumb as a tree stump, talk about people coming in for technology now who've never done it before. They are like deer in the headlights of these hosting companies. And they think because GoDaddy gives them a dollar website with free domain and like I'll come shine your shoes every weekend that that's a great deal until they get there. And then they realize that they are like locked into the matrix of, oh my gosh, but GoDaddy, Bluehost, HostGator, they all give an $85 bounty to bring some fresh blood in. And that's how that works when you have nothing real to offer. And picking on GoDaddy, especially, which (laughs) hosting actually has came a long way. But when you are not in a technical or know anyone who really is into WordPress or anything like that, people will go with places like GoDaddy because, you know, they've seen their race car on NASCAR or they've seen their commercials during the Super Bowl or they've seen something on YouTube with them. And with all of that being put out to more of what we'd call the non-techie people, that keeps them more coming to them because they've actually seen the name. Is that, bl- is that bloody Wix advert? Every time I go on YouTube, that bloody... Well, I, I, Squarespace I, loves to advertise on um, uh, WordPress videos. Um, is that Wix advert with that guy doing his startup saying, <laughs> yeah, like you would put your startup website on bloody Wix? Uh, it depends on your startup. But I, I think it's, you know, it's basically, oh, these are the websites that have the most customers on the planet. And here we'll like give you a little description and an affiliate link. So it's not like what might be an interesting article would be, why do these hosting companies have the most customers on the planet? Uh, you know, and uh, it, it, because... It's not necessarily anything to do with the quality of their hosting. It's it's a lot more about the reach of their marketing. And, and their price. This article, just to be clear, because I used to work with first web designer, and back in the day, it was an ad-based site. We'd have two, three million visitors a month. This article is what we used to call, you know, ad generator article. There's no substance to this. This is just a list of the top affiliate referral companies and the word biggest means nothing because that's like saying comcast is the biggest cable provider therefore let's do an article well they're the only cable provider almost so this is a nonsense it's a nonsense conversation about this article but the point of hosting is if you look at who's doing hosting 
and when I give out free advice to people who I can trap into a phone call, uh, I say hosting is a problem solution. So the people who are doing hosting, they have to find those very specific verticals and niche problems to solve because the idea of competing on a just generic wholesale is, is just a non-starter. It's silly. Yeah. All right. On to the next story because I don't want this show to become War and Peace. I, I just chose it because it was a list of some of the worst bastards that I've ever dealt with in my life, actually, that have wasted hours and hours of my bloody life, which I will never get back. Fuckers. Can I just say one, <laughs> one, 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 one more point about, about this whole discussion? I think back, you know, 10 years ago when, or five years ago, even when WordPress was a blogging platform and like pretty much that's it. These kind of hosting companies worked. But as soon as you start integrating yeah. more complex stuff like launch flows, right? Or like Groundhog.io mm-hmm. or any of these things that are trying to do dynamic stuff, all of a sudden you need hosting companies that can help you with your dynamic content, come up with custom caching rules. Um, and like at zipfish.io, what we're trying to do is make WordPress faster. But like to make it faster, you have to understand like what are all these complex plugins doing and how can I speed up that to get it to the end user? Some things you can cache, other things you can't cache at all. And it's this business case of weighing one over the other. Um, mm-hmm. yep. Thanks for that. On to the next story. On to the next one. Um, why you should stop using Google Analytics on your website. I thought this was a good one for you, John. Because uh, um, we've been doing some work for a client and John's yep. been helping me delve into this world of um, missing reports and end-settings. Yeah. I, I, I wonder why we're using Google Analytics. What did you think of this article, John? Well, I, th- I think a lot of people use Google Analytics because that's just industry standard and uh, you can, you know, set up filters and comparisons and all these different things to kind of get at the data. Um, you know, I mean, there's not a really compelling reason. I mean, as far as from an SEO perspective, if you have another comparable analytics suite, because uh, as I've, I've said a lot of times, Google does not use Google Analytics to get their data for SEO because half the sites in the world don't have Google Analytics installed. So they do not use that data and they've been very blunt about saying it's that. A, it's a, say, but it's yeah. such a shitty product, isn't it? I don't, I don't think it's a terrible well, it's, product. I mean, it, it can provide you a fair amount, but you know, they, they haven't, yeah. you know, a point that I'm pretty sure uh, all of us who've ever done performance checks on sites uh, are aware of that, you know, practically the first thing that Google's own uh, speed check tools complain about is the, you know, uh, scripts that, that right. load ahead of time right. And, right. and Google Analytics is one of the big ones. So, okay. So, yeah, let me address that because that's like one of the main things that people focus on um, in website development and, and uh, as far as that. So, if, if you run it through speed check something like lighthouse or, or whatever it'll say like google and you know this doesn't have uh, a caching time um or whatever and there's ways to go around that for sure brian jackson wrote a great article on um getting a hundred in in light uh google light speed or you know going around that there's ways to get around that um but you, i i believe that you can set that to async anyway to where it's asynchronous load um, the biggest, the biggest factor. I mean, when it comes to speed, uh, 
there's two things that you should really look at, which is time to first bite, which is mostly going to be controlled by your hosting uh, setup. So getting on a good host and not something like HostGator or Bluehost or GoDaddy is probably going to be in your best interest. Or any on that list of 10. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, one of those is, is high. And I, w- I, I would say there's one on there that is, probably should be HostGator. But, you know, like we said, affiliate paychecks. Um, but the other thing is the meaningful time to first paint. Uh, that is going to be controlled, you know, by a combination of, of your hosting and then also uh, how much stuff needs to download uh, in order to start rendering the page. So, I mean, Google Analytics, I mean, by itself, I wouldn't say is like a big problem. But if you have Google Analytics, Facebook Pixel, um, you, maybe a HubSpot Pixel, uh, you know, all these other tracking scripts like, you know, LinkedIn Pixel and, uh, you know, uh, Crazy Egg or something like that. If you have like a whole bunch of them like that, then maybe you should look at, you know, which ones you actually need because you probably don't need all of those. But, uh, you know, all, all the thing with the GDPR and these arguments, too, it's all of these companies are pretty much the same. I mean, I, I understand there's ethical analytics and, and there's other ones out there as well. But Facebook is really no different. If you're using Facebook or LinkedIn or anything like that, uh, pixels, it's all pretty much the same. I mean, as far as that. So what do you reckon about this, Kim? Parts is parts. That's it. Parts is parts. I, I just, I don't know. For this one, I really didn't have a whole lot of thoughts. No. I res, I respect what John, what John had to say. It other than the page hit, and you know, it gives you some information. But it just seemed to, but they just seemed Google's ability to make an interface as painful as possible um, to obtain some basic information that shouldn't be jet science. Their capacity to make it as, well, yes, you can, as, you as can, painful can, as possible seems to be, they seem to have an endless ability. Yes, I mean, you, you can get a heck of a lot of interesting information out of Google Analytics, but you pretty much need a PhD to do so. <laughs> but why? Because it's just based, Stephen, why? Why, Stephen? Because Google Analytics isn't looking for like the small blogger, right? Like their their end goal is to support large companies that are having tons of traffic and being able to give their marketing agencies the insight that they need. Because at the end of the day, like Google can make a lot more money by knowing what's going on with those guys than what's no what what they like knowing what's going on with the small bloggers. Um, and that's why it's set up that way. And like Google Analytics is great if you're trying to like achieve closed loop reporting on all your marketing initiatives, right? Like you need to track every little piece of information where somebody's coming from, how they got there, what money you paid for that. Um, but 99% of the people that are using the internet or building their blog or, you know, a small e-commerce shop, like, yeah, you don't need all that data and it ends up becoming a lot more complex to find it. Like the amount of custom dashboards that we've had to build for clients so they could understand a report is obscene almost compared to like some other Google, some other analytic companies that are not Google. Um, they make it a lot more transparent, a lot easier to find like the data and numbers that you actually care about. Yeah, but this company's ability to any technical document that comes from Google, I have to read it. And I suffer from a bit of dyslexia, so I'm the worst, but... I have to read it more multiple times to actually get any kind of their ability to make everything un, 
an un, 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 understandable. The ability to do it is mind-boggling. All right, um, on to the lot. It's more of a plug than the story. So, our, um, comes on the show. He's a he's a um, one of our uh, panelists, and uh, we's got to go behind the scenes. A thirty world class WordPress agency owner, developers, and marketers, and that's from WP Feedback, and they've got their summit at the end of this month. Their virtual summit. They've and got some, uh, Michelle is on it. And Michelle's on it. They forgot to ask one person. Um, I wonder who that person is to come on on it. Uh, but I don't hold grudges against anybody, really. But there we go. But I'll still plug it. You know, they can make these mistakes and not getting a true intellectual on the panel. But there we go. Uh, um, so, but um, it'll be in the show notes, folks. Go click join it and it's going to be the end of this month and um, I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic virtual summit. So um, put all your um, products or services you want to recommend into the chat panel because it really helps. So Sally, have you got anything that you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Uh, Yeah, I'd like to recommend my uh, meetup this weekend. Uh, All of you are invited now that we're Mm -hmm. having it online. I've I've put the link in. Now, I I know this, uh, the the recording doesn't necessarily come out before Sunday, so um, people people might miss that. But we'll be meeting online, you know, at at least for May and and probably longer. Um, And so are a lot of other meetups. So, you know, if my... uh, you know, if 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 my meetup isn't uh, isn't interesting, I think it's a great opportunity to like get to meetups around the world. See, you know, see what they do, meet new people, uh, uh, make some contacts, maybe uh, do a presentation uh, as kind of a you know a warm up for when uh, you know WordCamps uh, in person become a thing again. Um, you know, so we have some opportunities that we didn't have before, as you know, as Spencer likes to point out. Um, and uh, this is the kind that's pretty easy to take advantage of. Thanks for that. Spencer, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? I think he's telling school to his children, actually. Uh, I have, uh, I, I hear you in the background. I had, he was uh, cleaning up something. I wanted to turn off the mic. Uh, I have a cool plug-in that <clears throat> has come in handy, which is called... Uh, change admin email settings without outbound email. In version 4.9, many of you may not have known, but I've been doing a lot of demo site configuration. They made it that you can't change the main admin email without that annoying message that says, hey, by the way, your admin email has changed. Is that okay? Which is really awesome to handcuff yourself from hurting yourself with your own bare hands. So uh, one of the annoying parts is that it sends out the email and all the rest. Now, there is a magical setting in there for anybody who understands what I mean, if you're in the admin dashboard and you just want to change the email without going through all the trouble, just simply change WP admin slash something, something um, to, uh, I can't think of the name. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. It comes in a second. But the idea is that you can change the setting right there in the screen, but it still sends out the annoying email. So what this plugin does is it just is a quick function that stops you from sending yourself emails every time you want to do that. And it's a small problem, but if you have it, it's a worthy addition. Well, yeah, because, uh, you know, maybe the person who was initially the the admin has 
disappeared. Maybe um, emails from your WordPress admin aren't getting delivered because, you know, nobody has set up an SMTP server for it. And uh, uh, yeah, not everybody wants to actually go into the database to change that email address. I remembered it now. Sorry. I, when you go into your site, if you want to change any of the configuration options really quickly, you're at your main site slash WP-admin slash and just type options.php. And when you do, you get all of the database fields that you can directly change, including your default admin uh, email, password, username, all that stuff is right there. But when you do that, you just have the same thing where the email gets triggered. So that's what the plugin helped me do. And John, it's it's not that dangerous. Beloved listeners, if you do have a backup, <laughs> do, do not email me with your complaints. You can go to wbtonic.com. <laughs> do not send your comments to me, please. There's probably um, a phone number out there. They can get a hold of you directly. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, obviously, with great power, great responsibility. It's the trap door. Of WordPress. Uh, um, Kim, you, you want to try this at home. Yeah, I went away from the pure WordPress tech this week because a lot of my clients have been stuck at home and trying to work on their productivity. And so I've had them using a tool called Rescue Time, which the free version works for almost everybody. And it just shows you actually what you're spending your time on. And you can just, you know, set it up to what is productive for you versus what is not productive for you. And it's amazing. I think sometimes when I work with clients, how much time they're actually spending on what they're supposed to be doing and how much time they're spending on other things. So it shows you those rabbit holes you might be going down. True. Um, Stephen, have you got anything you want to recommend? Um, our, our hosting service, zipfish.io, is pretty cool for me. <laughs> I thought you were... <laughs> I'll wear that all day. Well done, Well done. You've been a great guest. So, all right. Uh, um, Michelle, have you got anything you want to recommend? To I actually have two. Um, I know it's probably been mentioned before, but I've actually just started playing with it myself. The WP Astro theme for... Um, People who are not really wanting to get into full dev-heavy building themes, but wanting to have a more custom site. This is a pretty handy um, theme slash plugin um, combo to use. Um, I just started last week. I've always been pretty much a 110% Genesis um, StudioPress user. I'll forgive so, you, Michelle. Well, he's a fellow. I'm still pretty much 110% Genesis user. So, you know. You're a friend, Sally, so I don't have to forgive you. But, you know. Well, Brian Gardner is actually. And I love Brian. Brian has been on the show. It's a great. But um, um, I agree with Spencer. I think it's a little bit. um, Why would you use it in 2020? it's, It's awesome fun. Back in the day, to use functions and hooks and filters, but like I also used to like to, you know, carve wheels out of wood and stuff too. I mean, <laughs> you got a page builder. I just don't understand why anybody would go back to like, oh, I need to modify the header. Let me throw in a, a hook and uh, you know a function to change. Well, it it depends because I've seen people do things with page builders where 
it took them hours and hours and hours of trying to create something that WordPress actually could pretty much do by itself if you knew anything about how WordPress worked. It's like basically, well, we, we were trying to create like a product archive page. So I manually put every single product in here with Visual Composer and it took me eight hours. And you're like, oh, holy heck, let me give you So there is a certain, there are things that should be done programmatically, right? You're into automating stuff. Sometimes, you know, writing a bit of code to automate something that goes everywhere versus having the person tinker with it every single place it needs to go because that's how they think the, the page builder works. It is a good solution, but I would say, you know, Genesis is a much better tool for developers who are doing really custom stuff for clients than it is for DIY first-time WordPress users. Yeah, I'd agree with you, and I want to emphasize no, what you really. said. Not really. No. Well, the key, <laughs> no, I do, because here's the key difference. The difference is, are you trying to deliver to the end user? And this is my, I mean, number one selling point is I say we are living in a no-code, no-design world. So if I'm going to do my clients the best service, what I advertise and market and tell them is, I'm going to make you never need me after this call. I'm going to make you want me but never need me. And if you choose to have a client relationship where you use something that as a developer, yes, I completely agree. It is so fast to use a custom function, but I'll be damn sure if I put a function in that puts the header mod in, I'm going to get an irate call from a customer who's like, what the F did you do to my header and how do I fix it? Versus if I use Astra free with Elementor and the header is just a template in Elementor, that client cannot complain to me in the future about being too dumb to know how to change a WYSIWYG thing. And that is the difference, to be transparent Have about. Have you met some people? Uh, well, yes, yes. Number one, never, never think that that nobody is is capable of being too dumb for something. I'm saying I can but charge I'll, I'll, them for their dumbness because it's not me hiding it. It's like, <laughs> right, yes. It's, it's, it's not, would, it's not right, perhaps you, your I fault, but yeah. Understanding a template is beyond some people. All right, children, so. I want to wrap up this. I want to wrap up this show. Um, John. <laughs> But we're having too much fun. Oh, I know. It's got to go. It's we, not like we, we could make like a three-hour show. I mean, it could, it could be like that all the time. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. yes, we, we could. But some of us do have billable work to do. It's yeah, we got, we got stuff to do, man. Yes, yes. John, um, yeah, my recommendation My recommendation this week is my friend Jason Resnick, friend of, friend of the show yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, he has, uh, he's been having it like a product called Feast uh, for a while to help people prevent feast and famine. Uh, but he has this thing, Feast Club, right now. It is $5. I quite like that, Feast Club. Feast <laughs> Club. It's $5 a month. Uh, it's uh, one of these private accountability groups, like-minded people, uh, as private Slack channel, all that. Um, you know, like I said, he's one of the few people that I would actually take advice from because mm -hmm. I know that he has clients. I know that he is, you know, paying his way. He's not just making money off of selling courses on how to make courses or coaching on how to be a coach. He walks the walk. He's a developer. Um, and I, you know, I, I know that he's walking the walk and not just talking the talk. So $5 a month, um, pretty good bargain. So go check it out. Right. I think we're going to wrap it up there. 
I thought the first rule of Feast Club was you don't talk about Feast Club. (laughs) (laughs) People got to eat, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm going to rapidly wrap this up and we'll see you next week with another great panel and another great list of stories. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.